I'm dying. Oh, we're dying. If you can hear us, honey, your father and I are dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Does anyone have a charger? Yeah, just down here. I'm in. Oh. Sorry, I'm dying. I'm dying. Yes, sir, 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 yes, sir. Ah! I ain't gonna lie. Big trust. Woo woo! I ain't gonna lie. I'm pumped up in the studio right now. It's your host, Addison. It's a brand new edition of From the Jump. I think this is episode 92, 93. I don't even know at this point. I'm losing count. We are live in the Las Vegas studios right now. I got my engineer, Eric, in the building, always holding me down, always chopping up the podcast. Always showing your boy love. When I tell him Eric pull up, he just pulls up. And of course, we got a live show. We got a lot to get into today. I mean, we got a lot to talk about. Of course, we'll talk about Lamar Jackson. I mean, he just absolutely shredded the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, we'll get into that. We'll talk about the New England Patriots, Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk about the the 49ers just absolutely just blanking the the Green Bay Packers. Of course, we'll talk about the Carson Wentz, the the, the Carson Wentz and the the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get into that. Of course, we'll talk about the Lakers. Uh, win streak today. And then on today's edition of the wrap-up, we'll talk about the NCAA suspending James Wiseman. But of course, it's a brand new edition of From the Jump. If this is your first time listening, we want to say thank you. Thank you for tapping into all our streaming platforms. We are live or now on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where else we at iHeartMedia, Stitcher, Podbean, so wherever podcasts, wherever you can listen to podcasts, rather, that's where we are located. And we want to say thank you to everybody that's been tuning in. Our numbers have been increasing. Our numbers have been going up. So we definitely want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for tapping into the podcast. Because, of course, without y'all, this podcast is nothing. But, of course, you know we got to start off today's show talking about Lamar Jackson. And, of course, we got to start off today's show talking about the Los Angeles Rams and the Baltimore Ravens last night. And, of course, this game was nothing short than I believe what we all expected. Now, of course, I didn't expect the Los Angeles Rams to only be able to put up six points last night which is ultimately indicative of their offense. It isn't their defense. I mean, defensively, I know Jalen Ramsey for the past two weeks was trying to figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson. He was trying to make the joke with Michael Vick. And I know here's what I want to get into before we get into today's show. Um, And I want to say this, and I want to be clear. Lamar Jackson isn't Michael Vick, isn't Cam Newton, isn't Jameis Winston, so let's go ahead and completely stop comparing him to every single black quarterback that there is because he isn't any of those guys. He is simply Lamar Jackson. And what we're seeing from Lamar Jackson is what we saw at Louisville and ultimately what we saw ultimately leading up to Louisville, and that was that this is a special talent right here. Hall of Fame, soon-to-be quarterback, will win the MVP this year. I've been championing it all year on my podcast. I've been saying that Lamar Jackson is – the best quarterback in football. And, and it really wasn't even close between him and Baker Mayfield as far as inside of the division. And I remember this year when the, the, the Cleveland Browns made the moves and everybody was all excited. I, was, I came on the podcast and I remember I said that at the end of the day, the Baltimore Ravens won the division last year. Again, when Lamar Jackson was inserted for Joe Flacco, this team went 6-1 and one and they did go to the playoffs. Yes, they did lose to the Los Angeles Chargers last year, right? And, of course, it was their, it was his first year. It was his first year starting as a quarterback. But the reality of the situation is they went 6-1 and one with him as a starter last year. 
And he only threw three interceptions. Of course, I mean, he only, you know, of course, played seven games. But in those seven games, he only turned the ball over three in the times. So, of course, now with, with I think, what, 11 games, 12 games, he has five interceptions, right? But what we saw last night is we're, we're seeing progression from a quarterback. We're seeing a quarterback who took a, a huge step from year one to year two. But also what we're seeing is now Greg Roman is starting to finally open up the playbook and is finally starting to allow Lamar Jackson to just be himself. I think in the beginning they were trying to kind of make him this pocket passer, but they said the reality of the situation is that as who that, the reality of the situation is that isn't who Lamar Jackson is. And again, we don't have any takeaways from the game last night. I mean, it was it was it was over with from the moment the the the, the Ravens stepped on the field. I think the first touchdown, the first two touchdowns were to Marquise Brown. The first one, he, it was like a crossing pattern. He was like open, and then the second one, he was like wide open in the end zone. And I said the Rams just didn't look prepared defensively. They had no idea. Aaron Donald really couldn't get any pressure last night. Um, they were able to run the football. Mark Ingram was able to get what he wanted to on the football ground yesterday. Literally, on the football ground yesterday, he was able to get what he wants. Lamar Jackson was brilliant, 15 for 20. Listen to this stat line. He was 15 for 20, 169 yards, and five touchdowns. Hear, hear me out. He had five passing touchdowns. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he carried the ball for eight times yesterday and for 95 yards. Again, defensively, if you're a defensive coordinator, yes, you have nightmares about Lamar Jackson. How do you stop Lamar Jackson? How do you stop Lamar Jackson? And, again, here's another big test. And, and, and every week we keep saying he got to keep passing these tests, but he keeps passing them with flying colors. We had to pass the test at Seattle. He, he went to Seattle and destroyed Seattle. Then we had to pass the test against New England off of a bye week Goes to Foxborough, destroys Foxborough. Then we say he got to pass another test against Houston. He absolutely just outplays Deshaun Watson, which I'm I'm going to attribute that to Bill O'Brien and not Deshaun Watson. Again, Deshaun Watson, I think, was sacked that game, what, five to six times? So, again, he had heavy pressure that game. But the reality was, head-to-head, he shined. And once again, Sunday, which they should move this game to a Sunday night game. Honestly, the 49ers and the Ravens, he'll have another test at home against the 49ers. And again, this is the best, outside of the New England Patriots, the best defense. So the New England Patriots are, 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 are the best defense. The 49ers are literally the best defense on the other side of, of the NFL. Literally. I can't literally say the Patriots are the best defense because what the 49ers are doing defensively with Joey Bosa, and again, we'll get into that a little bit later, but what they're doing defensively is, is, is astronomical at this point. But again, another test against the best defense in football against the Baltimore, I mean, not the Baltimore Ravens, against the 49ers. Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, the rest of the way, have the 49ers at home. They got to go on the road at Buffalo, which is a winnable game. They'll beat the Jets. They got to play Cleveland, which they got smoked earlier in the season against Cleveland. And a game in which I thought the Baltimore, I had picked the Baltimore Ravens to win that game, and they lost. Somehow they, they shocked me. But I, I believe this game against Cleveland the second time around will be different. And, of course, at the end of the season against uh, against a Pittsburgh team. So, with that being said, I can legitimately seeing the Ravens, let's just say hypothetically speaking, right? Hypothetically speaking, let's say hypothetically speaking, they lose to San Francisco. They're 9-3. and three. They beat Buffalo. They're 10-3. and three. They beat the Jets. They're 11-3. and three. Let's just say hypothetically speaking, they lose to the Browns. They're 11-4. and four, And then they beat Pittsburgh. They're 12-4. and four. So that means they would have lost to the Browns twice this year and during the calendar year, which actually divisionally wouldn't be good, but ultimately in reality means absolutely nothing. But they would end the season 12-4 and four, ultimately with the second 
seed in the playoffs. They had that first round bye. And then I'm, I'm sure they probably get the winner between probably Houston or you know, whatever those wild card games. So the reality is 12-4 and four is my actual prediction for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, they could very well beat the San Francisco 49ers, which would be 10-2. and two. Beat Buffalo, which is 11-2. and two. Beat the Jets, which is 12-2. and two. Beat the Cleveland Browns, which is 13-2. and two. And beat the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, which is down to their third quarterback, which is what, Devin Hodges or whoever that is. So I can legitimately see a season where they could legitimately go 14-2, and two, honestly. And the only two losses being to the Kansas City Chiefs, which I feel like if they played them getting head-to-head at Baltimore, at the bank, as, as, as your boy Mark Ingram say, big trust at the bank, I think the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> and I think the Kansas City Chiefs don't want smoke in that game. So again, and of course, the other loss was to the Cleveland Browns. But as it stands right now, the Baltimore Ravens are sitting pretty. Now, as it stands for the Los Angeles Rams, and 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 as as we as we're seeing right now, they won't be making the playoffs this year. At this point, I don't know. I mean, Jared Goff looked awful last night. Looked awful last night. And again, I, I don't want to hear any excuses because it wasn't defense defensively. I felt like the Los Angeles Rams were in a trap game because they knew ultimately, okay, well, if our offense can't do anything, we're in for a long night. That's the bottom line. If you can't offensively score with the Ravens, you're in for a long night. And last night, Jared Goff, of course, 26 for 37, two interceptions, what's new? And again, Todd Gurley, it's week in, week out, I don't understand what the hell the Los Angeles Rams do with Todd Gurley. One week, they give him the ball 28 times, and he shows out. Then the next week, a game like last night, at home, you give him the ball six times. Against a Baltimore Ravens defense six times against basically the cornerback in which you traded the other team for. Are you out of your mind? Robert Woods really couldn't get separation last night. Cooper Cup really couldn't do anything. Brandon Cooks. And again, this has been the highlight of this offense. We've been saying it week in and week out. Well, when they don't give Ty Gurley the ball, they have to put the ball in Jared Goff's hands. And in this league, at we're seeing with Lamar Jackson, with Deshaun Watson, with even to a degree, Kyle Allen, Josh Allen, you got to be able to have a quarterback that can throw it and also move the ball. That's simply the game. But of course, keeping with the NFL, another big game that transpired on Sunday was the New England Patriots versus the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, a game in which we saw neither one offenses could really get going. A game really was a defensive game, which came down to some bogus calls. And again, we'll get into those calls, which the NFL, like they do all the time, come back and rescind the call. But again, we'll, we'll get into that here in a second. But of course, the New England Patriots did defeat the Dallas Cowboys 13-9, a game in which we saw Tom Brady go 17 for 37, 190 yards and one touchdown. Of course, that touchdown was thrown to rookie Nikhil Harry, the only touchdown of the game. And of course, Dak Prescott on the other side was 19 for 33, 212 yards and also one interception. Ezekiel Elliott did carry the ball for 21 times and he got 86 yards. Tony Michelle on the other side did also carry the ball 20 times for 85 yards and again the leading receiver (laughs) for the new england patriots was julian edelman again eight catches for 93 yards and yesterday's i'm sorry not yesterday's game sunday's game and 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 here's 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 uh, here's what i want to get into because i know everybody wants to put the game on jason garrett and actually sunday's game actually wasn't on jason garrett and here's the reason why sunday's game actually wasn't on jason garrett because of the fact that the new england patriots actually gave the Dallas Cowboys, a lot of chances in this football game. Nick Folk, you know, though he made 
some field goals. He also missed two field goals as well. So those are points the New England Patriots did not put on the board. Secondly, I'm going to blame the bad weather in Foxborough. I'm going to blame the bad weather in Foxborough. Yes, as a Dallas Cowboy fan, I'm going to blame the bad weather in Foxborough. Also, the bad offense and the block punt also had to contribute to the loss. The block punt isn't coaching. The block punt is simply the other team able to come through our coverage and block the punt. It's simple football. It's I mean, it's, it happens on special teams. That's what time it is. So at the end of the day, I'm not going to put this loss on Jason Garrett. However, Amari Cooper can't have any catches. He can't have zero catches. Stephon Gilmore is a great cornerback, but you mean to tell me Bill Belichick devised a plan that great that that took Amari Cooper completely out of the game plan? The only time he was targeted was the interception, of course, that Dak threw. And, of course, at the end of the game on the fourth, and I think that was 11 when he caught it, but, of course, they caught it incomplete. So, again, those are the only two times that Amari Cooper was targeted in that football game. Randall Cobb was the leading receiver for the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. So, with that being said, I'm not going to put Sunday's game on Jason Garrett. Again, I thought offensively they went against the best defense. And I felt like defensively you went against Tom Brady and was and held him to one touchdown. I mean, they did their job. I mean, they gave up field goals, but ultimately your offense has to score points. And as I said, you can't have Amari Cooper, your best player on, on the outside, not have any catches. And secondly, and most importantly, and what the NFL has to do is at the end of these games, when they're calling these penalties and when they're calling these flags, because I've seen we've seen this happen numerous occasions on numerous big stages on Monday Night Football. It happened to the Dem- not in Denver. It happened to the Detroit Lions against Aaron Rodgers, where they called Trey Flowers on the same penalty twice. I feel like you cannot, you should not. I'm sorry, not could not. You should not call the same penalty twice at the end of the game on the same drive. Because what the NFL did, they, of course, came back and said that the penalty should not have been called. So, for me, that lets me know that when you called them, you ultimately weren't sure of the call anyway. Now, again, that call didn't ultimately dictate the entire game. But at the end of a game, you can't call tripping twice on the same guy. And when we watched the replay, there really was no evidence of the tripping. So I'm going to attribute that also to the loss as well. They were two. We were two for fourteen on a third down, zero for two in the red zone. So of course, it, it, offensively, it was not a great day in Gillette Stadium. Now on the flip side for the New England Patriots, th- their 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 offense was mediocre at best on Sunday anyway. Again, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, and I think it was it Jackson Myers or the Myers guy, whatever his name was. They were their only playmakers on Sunday. Sony Michelle, they tried to get the offensive line going. Of course, Isaiah Wynn was back inside of the lineup. But the reality of the situation is the, the New England Patriots offense is mediocre. Of course, Mohamed Sanu has been out. Philip Dorsett was out. Um, I believe he was scheduled to play, then he's out. Again, Grunt retiring completely left him a, a, a wide open hole at tight end. Benjamin Watson has been in, has been. So, again, the New England Patriots offense has not been in full sync. But the beauty about it is maybe as the season goes on, maybe they'll get healthier. Who who knows? But the reality of the situation is the offense has been mediocre all year. And they understand that their special teams and that their defense is going to carry them. And as I've been saying on this specific show, week in and week out, the New England Patriots defense is special. This is the number one defense in football. And again, on Sunday, they didn't give up a touchdown. They basically gave up three field goals. 
That's defense right there. That isn't anything coaching. That's defense. The players going out there, stopping the other team from getting in the end zone. And as I said, 0 for 2 in the red zone as offense, you can't have that. Against the number one team in football, ultimately against the defending Super Bowl champions, you can't have that. And, of course, switching over to the other important NFC football, and, of course, the other NFL important game on Sunday was the San Francisco 49ers versus the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, this game was completely dominated, completely dominated from start to finish by the San Francisco 49ers, a game in which we saw Aaron Rodgers sack five times, a game in which we saw the 49ers defeat the Packers 37-8. to Again, this the stat lines don't even matter. Aaron Rodgers, 20 for 33, 130 yards, one touchdown, zero interception. Jimmy Garoppolo, 14 for 23, 250 yards, two touchdowns, and, of course, no interceptions. And as I said, Aaron Rodgers was sacked five times. And 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 I, and I and I want to get into this and I, and I, and I, and I just just said it on the other segment about the New England Patriots, but the, as I said, the 49ers have to be literally the other great defense in the football. And the reason why I'm saying that is because when you have a front four like Joey, I'm sorry, not Joey Bosa. When you got a front four like Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, and Eric Armstead, those guys who can actually rush the passer. It makes for, of course, Quan Alexander has been out. Of course, I think he's out for the rest of the year. But it makes for easier work for your back end. Again, you got a Richard Sherman back there, Jimmy Ward on the other side. This 49ers defense is elite. Week in and week out, this team continues and continues and continues to harass quarterbacks. Again, we're seeing Nick Bosa week in and week out. One night, his interceptions, sacks, just completely dominating. Again, we saw on Sunday two sacks against Aaron Rodgers. I think... DeForest Buckner had a sack, and I think Eric Armstead had a sack. So, again, defensively, nobody wants to see the 49ers right now and have to travel to Levi Stadium and have to go play this team. Nobody wants to do that right now. This is a dangerous football team. And, again, when you got a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, who slowly but surely, again, this is, I think, his first full full year being quarterback. I think, as we saw, we saw some flashes when he first got traded to the 49ers. The second year, of course, when he was first supposed to start, he got injured. So this is his actual first year actually starting as a quarterback. And we're actually seeing exactly what he's able to do. And when he's not turning the football over, and we're seeing when they're able to run the football with Tevin Coleman, again, when they get Matt Burita back here in, in a couple weeks. But when they're able to run the football, they're able to do what they want to do. And oh, by the way, George Kittle, a.k.a. Baby Vontae Davis, because every time I see 85, I always think of Vontae Davis, but like, it's a white guy, literally. Like, he runs like a deer. This is like a wide receiver literally playing tight end. Like, this is a cold dude. And th- their best player, honestly, on the offensive side of the football played on Sunday. And that completely changed the game. Completely changed the entire game. Now, the next five games for the San Francisco 49ers, Giants, Redskins, Bears, Vikings, Lions, they only play one team with a winning record, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. So as it stands right now, we could literally be talking about the best team in the NFL, or in the NFC, rather. Now, for the Green Bay Packers, again, I'm not going to overreact to this loss, but what I will say is, and as it's been reiterated, the Green Bay Packers are soft, the Green Bay Packers are a finesse football team, and ultimately the Green Bay Packers go as Aaron Rodgers goes. So when Aaron Rodgers is in a good mood and when Aaron Rodgers is playing well, the Green Bay Packers will win. But I, I think what, we're, what we saw, and I think we saw for a shadow, if he has to go against the San Francisco 49ers defense, he's in for a long night. The offensive line, def- they, there's nothing that they can do. So if he has to go against this defense in the playoffs, which down the line he probably will have to go against this defense because he's probably going to win their division. They'll probably win their division, which ultimately that means they'll probably get 
one of those top two seeds. So as that as that goes, they'll end up playing the 49ers somewhere down the line. And oh, by the way, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Richard Sherman, they aren't going anywhere. Other score other notable scores from Sunday's game, the Houston Texans defeated the Indianapolis Colts 20 to 17. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Atlanta Falcons 35 to 22. The Buffalo Bills defeated the Denver Broncos 20 to 3, a game in which we saw Frank Gore actually pass his childhood idol Barry Sanders to move into third all time. I think he's at like 15,289 rushing yards. So to move into third of all time into the rushing record. Of course, Walter Payton is next to be leapfrog, but of course, here's what Frank Gore had to say about passing Barry Sanders. Man, I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed. Hard work. Thanks to that man up above, man, because I've been through so much, you know, in my career. Buffalo Bills over the Denver Broncos, 20-3. The Chicago Bears over the New York Giants, 19-14. The Pittsburgh Steelers over the Cincinnati Bengals, 16-10. The, the Cleveland Browns, once again, Hey, they keep winning. Hey, say what you want to. Miles Garrett hitting people over the head with helmets, of course. Look, say what you want to. The Cleveland Browns, they keep winning. They won again, 41-24 over the, the Miami Dolphins. Of course, the New Orleans Saints won a nail-biter 34-31, a game which ultimately came down to field goal kicking. And I, and I understand these NFL teams keep getting snake-bitten weekend and weekend by these kickers. That's why you keep seeing these kickers rotate teams because these teams realize, look, these jokers are just like everybody else. They should be held accountable just like everybody else. And as we saw on Sunday, another kicker missed another kick. Will Lutz was the kicker that actually made the field goal kick for the New Orleans Saints, 34-31 over the Carolina Panthers. Up next on From the Jump, I'll give you an NBA update. Of course, we'll talk about the Lakers' eight-game win streak. And on today's edition of the wrap-up, we'll talk about the NCAA suspended James Wiseman. Listen up. It's From the Jump. Sports news update for today. The Virginia Tech Hokies defeated number three team yesterday in the country, Michigan State, 71-60. Today, Ohio State defeated Kent State, 71-52. The number 17 team in the country, Tennessee Volunteers, defeated Chattanooga, 58-46. VCU over Alabama State, 78-62. The number four team in the Maui Gym, Maui Invitational, the same Invitational that saw Virginia Tech defeat Michigan State, defeated Shum. Shamanad, 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 that's how you say it, 93-63. And, of course, the 18th team in the country, Auburn, did defeat New Mexico 84-59. Of course, NBA scored from last night's game. The Brooklyn Nets defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers 108-106. The Detroit Pistons over the Orlando Magic 103-88. The Indiana Pacers 126-114. The Minnesota Timberwolves over the Atlanta Hawks 125-113. The Boston Celtics 103-102 over the Sacramento Kings. 
the Miami Heat over the Charlotte Hornets, 117 to 100. The Toronto Raptors over the Philadelphia 76ers, 101 to 96. A game in which we saw Joel Embiid score zero points. Eric, he scored zero points. He had zero points. And oh, by the way, he went to the free throw line three times and missed all three of those free throws. I think if he scores four or five points, I think the, the Philadelphia 76ers probably de- defeat the Toronto Raptors. But hey, he was held scoreless for the first time in his NBA career. Toronto Raptors over the Philadelphia 76ers, 101-96. The Portland Trail Blazers over the Chicago Bulls, 117-94, to a game in which we saw Carmelo Anthony score 25 points. The Portland Trail Blazers over the Chicago Bulls, 117-94. Hey, Damian Lillard is healthy last night. And Damian Lillard played for the Portland Trail Blazers. And though they played the Chicago Bulls, a Bulls team which actually was hot. I don't know if you saw that game on Saturday. They defeated the, the Charlotte Hornets a game which Zach Levine, they scored, they got the inbound, stole it. Zach Levine wound up hitting the game, winning three. The, look, we know the Bulls are going to be bad forever, but they're going to be competitive in a lot of games. In last night's game, they were competitive, but they did take the L, 117-94. Those are all the NBA scores from last night. The Los Angeles Lakers defeated the San Antonio Spurs last night, a game in which, of course, did continued their win streak to eight games. Now, of course, the Lakers have been on an eight-game win streak, and they did defeat the San Antonio Spurs last night, 114-104 behind LeBron James, 33 points. Of course, Anthony Davis did lead the team with 12 rebounds. Now, as it stands right now, of course, the Lakers have been on an eight-game win streak, of course, since that loss earlier in the month to the Toronto Raptors. And, of course, the teams that they've beaten over these eight games have been the Phoenix Suns, Golden State Warriors, Sacramento Kings, the Atlanta Hawks, the OKC Thunder twice, the Memphis Grizzlies, and of course last night, the San Antonio Spurs. Now, here's what I will say about the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, of course, the Lakers fans right now hyped up. I got I got my homies. They texting my phone right now. Hit me about LeBron James. Hit me about the Lakers. Hit me about Anthony Davis. And don't get me wrong. The Los Angeles Lakers are playing great basketball right now. And the reason being is because you have LeBron James running the point. And everybody else right now is playing their role. Kyle Kuzma is playing his role. Of course, he's only played some odd. I think he's only played maybe seven, eight games. You know, he's only been playing a couple games. Of course, he played, then he got hurt. So he is just now, of course, starting to get back into the flow. But you got Avery Bradley, who's been playing good serviceable minutes. Catavius Caldwell, Pope, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard has been giving them big, big minutes. And, of course, everybody else. Uh, um, Danny Green, I can't, uh, you know, forget about Danny. So, again, you have the Lakers players a veteran ball club, if you will, this year, who have been playing great basketball. Now, of course, at the expense of a lot of injuries, let's be clear, the Los Angeles Lakers have been getting a lot of luck. A lot of luck. Of course, Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors, dismantled. So that ultimately eliminated them from this entire season. OKC, once you took Russell Westbrook and put him on the Houston Rockets, that then took OKC down, right? Portland, they added Carmelo Anthony, so we'll be able to see what they'll be able to do positioning themselves. New Orleans has been without Zion Williams, and again, by trading Anthony Davis to the Los Angeles Lakers, took that Pelican team that Anthony Davis was on that was like always hovering around the eighth seed and completely made them irrelevant. Of course, this year has been the Luka Doncic show, which Luka Doncic has been balling out, but again, I'm going to wait on my assessment with Luka Doncic. But as it stands right now, the Los Angeles Lakers are the best team in the West. I guess outside of the Denver Nuggets, but are, 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 is that even? Do we even really know that for sure? And again, of course, once they cross paths, and of course the Los Angeles Clippers, and of course we can't forget about the Houston Rockets. 
But as it stands right now, statistically, and also in the standings, the Lakers are leading right now. And the one thing the Lakers have on their side is LeBron James is playing great basketball. And it isn't the fact that he's going on these scoring rampages. LeBron James isn't putting up 40-point, 57-point games night in or night out. Mm -mm. The beauty about LeBron James is, if you notice, he's been leading the team in assists. Of course, Rondo has been in and out. He's been leading the team in assists. Now, of course, they'll get Denver here coming up. Of course, they'll get Dallas again. But my, uh, my, my... the thing with, with the Los Angeles Lakers, as I said, there have been a lot of guys that have been injured this year. Now, I haven't really been tapped in, tapped into the NBA, so I can't really give a full assessment like I want to about the Los Angeles Lakers. But from what I have seen from the Lakers, they have shown me to this point that they have been one of the best teams in basketball. And again, LeBron James has kind of been trying to tamper all the kind of expectations and kind of just game by game. But the reality of this situation is Kawhi Litter has been load managing all year. And I think in the end, it's going to come back to haunt the Clippers because Ultimately, what you have to have is you have to have chemistry. Now, again, we're seeing Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard when they're on the court. They're magical. We, we saw it the other night against the Celtics defensively and then offensively. They, they look really, really good. They look really, really good. But as I said, Kawhi Leonard, whether that he's injured, he's not injured. The load management thing will come back to haunt the Clippers, I feel like, ultimately in the end. But as it stands right now, the Los Angeles Lakers are the best team in the West. On today's edition of the wrap-up, a story that broke last week that i really just been itching to talk about has been Memphis's big man, James Wiseman. Now, of course, as we all know, James Wiseman, a freshman at Memphis, a projected top draft pick, has been suspended by the NCAA for 12 games and will be eligible again to play January 12th. Now, apparently this stems from two violations. Apparently that James Wiseman's mother accepted $11,000 from Penny Hardaway in the summer of 2017. And then also they said that James Wiseman played three games this season while he was ineligible by the NCAA. So, of course, I remember earlier on in the season, I think at the beginning of the college basketball season, the NCAA had ruled James Wiseman apparently ineligible for this situation. And then apparently Memphis then came back and said that he was he was eligible, I guess, to play. I guess they had got a waiver or something signed. So apparently he was able to play, but the NCAA had ruled him ineligible. So as a result... He also was punished for that. Now, of course, um, last week after the NCAA did make their announcement, James Wiseman came out and basically said on Instagram, God has never left me, nor will he forsake me throughout this process. I got to trust God, keep faith and stay the course. Now, this situation to me is tricky. And the reason why this situation is tricky is because at the time when the money was given to James Wiseman's family, Penny Hardaway was a booster. Now, of course, Penny Hardaway is a Memphis alumni and is considered a booster, of course, once he gave the million dollars to the school back in 2008, you know, of course, to build up and help the school. Now, with that being said, once he gave that money to James Wiseman's family, once he was a booster, why is James Wiseman now being punished for that action? Penny Hardaway isn't being punished for that action. Penny Hardaway isn't having to sit out games. And again, this isn't an indictment upon Penny Hardaway, but in my mind, it always falls on the kid. And this is the problem that I have with the NCAA is the inconsistencies. Again, as I said, Penny Hardaway was the one that gave the money. It wasn't that James Wiseman accepted the $11,000 and bought Jordans and a new Camaro or what beats by Dre. They said that James Wiseman's mother accepted this money. Now, whether or not 
it was given to James. We don't know. But the fact still remains that this was an adult transaction. So as a result, the adults should be punished in this situation, not necessarily the child. Again, Penny Hardaway is not at fault in this situation because, as I said, he was a booster at the time in which the money was given. But he's still able to coach. James Wiseman has to sit out 12 games, which as a result affects the Memphis Tigers basketball team. And we all know that Memphis in the past with Josh Pastner has had allegations. Of course, in the past with John Calipari have had to have allegations. Of course, have had banners stripped down, wins vacated. So Memphis just seems to have this dark cloud always circling around. But I want to leave you with three questions. Was the NCAA's punishment fair for James Wiseman's actions, well, family's actions, rather? Should Penny Hardaway have been punished in this situation? Because, again, he was a booster prior to him becoming the head coach at Memphis. And last but simply not least, should this affect James Wiseman's draft stock? Something to think about. It's from the jump.